Well, it's a privilege to be able to be back with you here at Carlsbad Bible Church. So thankful for what God is doing here and how he is working, and uh, just great to be able to be with you. It's good to be with the, uh, the I don't know who was there, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, whoever was there yesterday, uh, it was good to be with you, and uh, no, it was just great to be able to, um, as Owen said, Pastor Owen said, it's just good to be able to walk through um, the role of elders, the role of deacons, how does that all play together, work together, and uh, sometimes in the course of a church context, that's not really something that's exciting to talk about because you don't really think about why that's important. But actually, what's very important is how we govern ourselves, how we function, and making sure that we function the way God intended us to function. I serve uh, with a group called the uh, Institute of Biblical Leadership, and our entire ministry is designed to come alongside of God's leaders, help them take the next steps to be the leaders God intends them to be, and so much of the troubles and issues and difficulties that we deal with within churches actually goes to some degree back to how they how they function and how they engage with one another and so uh, just a great opportunity to be with um with the church this weekend and appreciate uh your, the hospitality and just appreciate being able to be here and uh, exciting to see what god is doing i did serve for uh i don't know what was it four years as a youth pastor in farmington new mexico so kind of in the opposite uh section of the state up in the northwest uh, Four Corners area, and so uh, familiar with with uh, New Mexico, but uh, enjoying uh, my second trip here to Carlsbad. So just uh, grateful to be here, grateful to be with you all, and um, uh, looking forward to what God has for us today. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34 of Matthew, chapter 6, this morning, and uh, I don't know what Pastor Owen's been preaching through, but he asked if I would address this topic of anxiety, and so I have been worried all week about what to say. No, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, my kids, if my kids were here, they'd be like, Dad, no. <laughs> That's why they don't travel with me. Um, but uh, we're going to look at this matter of, of anxiety, and this is a, it's an interesting matter to deal with. Uh, it's an interesting issue to address. Uh, from the standpoint, I do, I do want to say this, whether you're here in person or maybe watching on the live stream or wherever you may be, um, we, must, we must understand that there are at times physiological issues that are going on within our bodies. So what I, what I want to be careful with as we present this, because I know, I know myself and I know how I can come off, what we have to be careful in the process is to say this isn't, you know, if you struggle with anxiety or you struggle with worry or you struggle with fear or you struggle with these particular things, um, our, our, our response has to be measured with grace and with mercy, but yet with firmness of scripture. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're drawing a fine balance between the fact that sometimes there are physiological things going on inside of our minds, inside of our heads that are causing certain things. If we can help get that under control or help bring that under control, uh, then we can look theologically to say, what is going on? As I was thinking about this particular message, I, uh, 
I remember back to, I, I can't remember, it might have been 2009, roughly, um, I was, uh, we were just coming off of, we had been raising support to go to Italy as missionaries, and that was ending, and we were just moving to Denver, and uh, I, I don't know what happened, I don't know what took place, but I got diverticulitis, and um, if you've never had diverticulitis, just be grateful, because it's really painful, uh, it's something in the colon where, I don't know, something happens, and um, so I went to the, I got so bad, I was almost doubled over in pain. I just, I mean, the pain in my colon was, um, it was intense. And uh, so my wife, I finally told her, I said, I've got to go to the doctor. I've got to go to the hospital. It was um, uh, like a Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening. And so I walked into the, I walked into the emergency room and the, the, the guy that was there to check me in, he said, well, what's your problem? I said, well, if I was a woman, I would tell you I'm giving birth I'm not a woman, but I don't know what's going on because there's just a whole lot of pain. Something's happening. And uh, so he, he brought me into the back room, and they wound up prescribing to me Percocet. I did not know at that time that I was actually allergic to that medicine. And so over the course of the next 48 hours, I had some serious mental issues that occurred. Um, literally feeling like the walls were caving in on me, literally feeling like there was nowhere I could go, the anxiety. I mean, there was a physiological reaction to this medication. And so as I think, and then actually since then, there have been, there have been consequences that I've faced because of what that did to my body, what, what that Percocet did to my body. And so as we talk through this, I, I want you to know and understand that that yes, we were going to address this from a theological standpoint. Yes, we're going to drive us back to scripture. Yes, we're going to look at this to say, what does God want for us? How does he want us to respond? But hidden within all of that is the idea that sometimes we actually have, all of us have broken bodies. And sometimes in the brokenness of our bodies, there is something happening that is beyond a theological framework that we're just not simply trusting God, but we actually have something wrong. And so we have to take care of those things and we have to deal with those things. However, when we get beyond a physiological issue, a physiological matter, something is, something is occurring within our body that is not right, when we get beyond that and we're saying, let's just look at how does God want us to respond to the realities of life and the realities of what we're going through, this passage of scripture is a great reminder for us. It is going to drive us back to a theological understanding of who God is and how he wants us to respond to life situations. So all of that, it needs to be mentioned up front and said up front because I know that maybe you're sitting at home and, 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 and you're just so worried and anxious and that you couldn't even get out of your house and come to church and now you're gonna hear somebody say, well, it's just an issue that you're not trusting God. It may be that issue. It may be a physiological issue. But where it, it stops to be something that is broken within our body and moves to something that is theologically wrong with our thinking, that's where we need to make sure that we're clear. So I just wanted to kind of put that caveat there. This is an interesting, you know, mental health and anxiety and worry and fear. It's all an interesting uh, thing. And I have several friends of mine uh, that deal with different levels of this and uh, really from a theological perspective uh, they need a constant reminder to respond the way God intended them to respond. There's nothing physiologically wrong with them. It's just something that is uh, rooted in how they think and process and look to God. So 
This morning we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, says this, and I'm a, is ESV good? Do you guys, what do you normally use? Okay, well good. <laughs> well, Pastor Owen uses ESV, we're good. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, says this, I, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word this morning, Father, as we look to this text and examine this text of scripture. God, I pray that you would help us. Father, I know that in this room, are people who are struggling with worry, doubts, fears, anxieties. The list can go on. Father, I know that there are people who are maybe watching this from home who are secretly, privately struggling with all of the worries and the fears and the anxieties. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at this text to be reminded of who you are and how you desire us to respond to the issues of life. Father, give us clarity of thought and mind. Father, help us to see your truths of your word in our hearts and lives today. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. The year was 1988. Some of you will remember uh, 1988. Uh, The year was 1988, and the artist was Bobby McFerrin, And the song that McFerrin wrote won a Grammy that year for the song of the year. The song was entitled, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Some of you may remember, I remember being a kid, I was probably, uh, what, 11, 12 years old, and remember this being played on the radio nonstop. And here's the lyrics. It's it's humorous to to look back at, at this song, but... Here's just simply the the verses of this song. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. I'm certainly not singing it like Bobby McFerrin. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may not have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Look at me, I'm happy. These are his lyrics. Ain't got no cash, ain't got no style. Clearly, Ray. Ain't got no gal to make you smile. But don't worry, be happy. 
Because when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Now there is this song I wrote. I hope you learned it note for note like good little children. Don't worry. Be happy. Now listen to what I said. In your life, expect some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. So does singing that song make you happy? Well, it brings a smile to our face because it's a little corny uh but i remember and maybe you remember that song being played over and over and over don't worry be happy it's interesting as the lyrics kind of unfold i'm i think about this this last verse especially in this section of verse 34 therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble where he talks about but when you worry you make it double so we oftentimes don't understand that the idea of anxiety or worry or fear, it's a doubling, exponentially doubling issue. So I can sit here and worry about all the things that I have going on today. I can actually stand here and worry about what I have going on today at the same time that I'm worried about what I did yesterday and the consequences of yesterday and the day before. And then I'm worried about what the future has in store for me. And so what have I done I've come to Sunday, January, whatever today is, 21st, what is today, 21st, January 21st, I've come to Sunday, January 21st, and I'm worried, and I'm anxious, and I'm fearful, and I'm doubting about all the things that I'm thinking about could happen today or are going on today. Simultaneous to that, I am also bringing in all of the past issues that I've been worrying about and struggling with and thinking about and processing about, and I'm bringing them here, and then I'm thinking about, oh my word, what's going to happen tomorrow? And all the things that could go on tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next year, and I'm bringing them all together today. So now what is going on in my life? I am weighted down with the anxieties and the fears and the struggles and the trials and the issues of life. If I'm not careful, I can sit here and, and I can think back to all of the things over the last 40, almost 46 years of my life that I look back on and I can think about all the things I've done wrong, all the things I should have done better, all the things I could have, I could have improved on, and I can worry about all those things. Oh, I should have done that better. And now I worry and fear and anxiety about all those things. And then I'm worried today and I'm, I'm worried for the future. I am a burdened person if I do that. The song where he talks about if you worry, you make it double. We actually would say it makes it multiply. So how are we supposed to respond? How, do we, how are we supposed to think and process through that? In a report by the Medical News Today article, it is estimated that 40 million Americans regularly take medicine for anxiety disorders. That's a lot. Maybe you've been someone who struggled with that. Maybe you're someone who, who is taking some kind of medicine to help you with your anxiety or worry or fear or doubt or whatever it may be. So we come to Matthew chapter 6, and we're seeing this matter of anxiety being addressed. It's actually important for us to kind of see some preceding text. As you look up in Matthew chapter 6 and looking beyond that to the, at least the preceding verse of 24, but there's really a whole host of verses that have been dealing with this idea. It's rooted in this idea of money. It's rooted in this idea of wealth. It's rooted in the idea that, well, if I have wealth, if I have money, everything's going to be okay. The reality is that is not true. 
We can give you example after example after example of people who have millions upon millions of dollars, everything they could ever possibly want, and yet they are not satisfied. They are not content. They have worry. They have doubts. They have anxieties. They have fear. So as Scripture is unfolding this for us, as, as the author here is, is, is revealing to us, as, as Christ is communicating, God is communicating to us here, he's talking about this issue really rooted in money, Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the specific context is financial. The specific context is wealth. The specific context is dealing with my security is either going to be in God or my security is going to be in my wealth. And what is the Bible telling us here? The Bible is telling us, listen, you cannot serve both of these things. In other words, you cannot be focused on God and focused on the material things of this world. If you find your security, if you find your confidence, if you find your sufficiency in anything other than in God, you are going to be, of all people, most miserable. Because the only thing that brings satisfaction, the only thing that brings us the sufficiency is Jesus Christ. He is our all in all. And so as the, as the scriptures unfold here, in verse 25 then tells us, therefore, anytime, I'm, this kind of gets old and cliche, but it's a good reminder. Anytime you see a text of scripture that says, therefore, you ask the question, what's it there for? So that's just a good Bible interpretation process. So we've looked at verse 24 and given us this idea of wealth and, and where are we placing our confidence? That's really the, the heart of what is being addressed. Where do you place your confidence? In Jesus. That's where it should be. And so we look at verse 25, and so we've, we've got a choice. You can, you can serve God. You can place your confidence in God, or you can place your confidence in things. So then we come into verse 25, and the first word is therefore, because we cannot serve both things, because we cannot find our sufficiency in the things of this world, because we cannot find our satisfaction anywhere other than in Jesus Christ, therefore, this is what you must do. That's the heart of what's being communicated here. So therefore, there's actually three therefores in this text of scripture as you walk through this. There's this therefore in verse 25 and then in verse 31 there's another therefore and then in verse 34 there's another therefore those therefores that's a big word to say a lot of times those therefores are going to be the the kind of the the pillars on which we're going to look at these thoughts today so the first, therefore, of verse 25, in light of the fact that we must find our sufficiency and our satisfaction in Jesus Christ, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Since you are not going to find satisfaction in these things, don't worry about those things. I mean, this is a shocking, controversial thought for some people. I cannot find my satisfaction in anything other than Jesus Christ. So therefore, I shouldn't worry about anything other than Jesus Christ. Now we're going to hopefully lay out some thoughts and ideas as we go through this, as we understand this, but as this unfolds, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. Neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So here's here's the issue that we're being confronted with. As this passage is unfolding in verse 31 ends with this idea that if you are trusting in anything other than God, you have little faith. If you're worried about anything other than what God will provide for you, you have little faith. That's an offensive statement. Because we want to believe, I've got a lot of faith, but I don't know if I can find all of my sufficiency and all of my satisfaction in Christ. And so the The scripture is going to be reminding us here of three different thoughts before we look at those in this first section, Philippians chapter four. You can turn over to Philippians chapter four, a great passage that complements this particular text of scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. So if the Bible tells you do not be anxious about anything, is there a category in which we can be anxious? The answer is no. I mean, this is really a a tough verse. I mean, do not be anxious about anything. But instead of, if I can kind of paraphrase, but instead of being anxious, so I've got this issue, I've got this problem, I've got this situation going on, I'm tempted to be anxious about it. Philippians chapter four, verse six tells me I'm not to be anxious about it. Well, what am I supposed to do? Now I'm anxious about the fact that I can't be anxious. I mean, like we can get into a vicious cycle here. So what am I supposed to do? I wanna be anxious, but I'm told not to be anxious, and now I'm anxious. Well, Paul's reminding us here But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So you're worried about an issue. You're worried about a situation. You're worried about a problem that you've got in your life. The Bible tells you, Paul is telling you in Philippians chapter 4, do not worry about it. Instead of worrying about it, pray. Bring your request to God. Let him know what you're concerned about. Let him know what you're dealing with. Let him know what's happening in your life. And what does verse seven remind us of? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Anxiety is rooted within our heart and within our mind. What we think about and what we dwell upon and what we desire That's all the roots of anxiety that are coming out. And so here Paul is reminding, as he's concluding the book of Philippians, he's reminding them, listen, don't be anxious. There is nothing you should be anxious about. That does not mean that it doesn't cause us alarm. It doesn't mean that we're oblivious to the issues of life. But instead of being anxious about it, I pray about it. I bring my request to God. I let him know what's going on. And what does he do? The peace of God, which passes all understanding and comprehension. We don't know how it works. The peace of God, it is going to guard our heart and it's going to guard our mind. 
So God in his sovereignty, God in his omnipotence, God in all of his power is going to put a guard around the two things that are producing the anxiety. He's going to put a guard around my heart. He's going to put a guard around my mind. And he's going to allow me and enable me through, as Ray mentioned earlier, through the work of the Holy Spirit to be able to be, have the peace that passes all comprehension and all understanding. So as, he's, as we're going through Matthew chapter 6 and we're looking at this text of Scripture as it's unfolding for us, and we look at this text and we're looking at this to say, therefore, since you can't serve God and, and, and money, since you can't find your satisfaction in, God, in, in anything other than God, we're told three things. Do not be anxious because there is more to life than food, drink, or clothing. That's the first point. The first therefore is telling us, do not be anxious because there is more to life than food, drink, or clothing. Now, are food, drink, and clothing important? Yes, they are. Every one of us is thankful everyone else has clothing on, right? We're thankful. That's important. We don't want to negate this idea. We're thankful for food that we have. We're thankful for drink that we have that sustains us. But we're told here we're not to be anxious. Why? Because there is more to life than just what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, and what I'm going to put on. So as we see this unfold, verse 26, we're given some examples here. That's the question that ends verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you ever saw a bird going back and forth on a, on a limb going, oh my word, I don't know where I'm going to get a worm. Oh my word, I don't know where I'm going to feed my babies. Oh my word, I don't know how. No, they don't do that. They just sit in, their, they sit in their trees and they sing and they fly around and they sing and they do other things that we don't like, you know make a mess when we don't want them to make a mess on our cars or us. Birds are not stressed out. Birds are not fearful. Birds are not anxious. Why? They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here is the statement of verse 26 that's important. Are you not of more value than they are? Matthew is providing for us this account to say, okay, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because there is more to life than what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to put on. There's more to life than that. So let's look at how do we understand this and how do we comprehend this? Well, we are more valuable than all of creation. Humanity is more valuable than all the rest of creation. I do not have the same value as a dog I do not have the same value as a tree. Has God created those things? Absolutely. Does, is God glorified by those things? Absolutely. But Matthew is telling us, listen, you as a human being have more value and more worth than any other thing in creation. The world today tells you that's not true. In fact, the world tells you you probably have less value than any other thing. Take, for instance, this statement. PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, brings in $82 million per year in order to save animals. 
in contrast to that, not only do you have this going on, and we're not about, you know, nobody's saying we should abuse animals, but you've got PETA who is raising $82 million per year in order to save animals. Coinciding with that is Planned Parenthood, which is one of the largest abortion providers. It boasted in 2022, it boasted a revenue of $1.6 billion dollars 550 million of that coming from the U.S. government in order to be the largest provider of abortions in America. Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And the author here, Matthew, is reminding us, listen, theologically speaking, a world has lost its mind when it spends a combined, what, $2 billion to protect all the other insignificant creation over the most significant creation. That's what's happening. Those statistics are telling us between the $82 million that PETA raises to protect the animals and the $1.6 billion that Planned Parenthood raises to kill human beings, the world is telling us, listen, humans, you don't have as much, in fact, you have less value than the most insignificant of creation. And the author of Matthew is saying, actually, theologically, that is not true. And if our anxiety and worry is rooted in that, then we need to pull up out of that to say, wait a second, I have value and I have worth. Not because I'm amazing, not because I'm wonderful, but I have value and worth. Why? Because I am made in the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Genesis chapter 1 was all about in verses 26 through 31. God said, what? Let us... Make man in our image. The plural pronouns of the Godhead being played out in Genesis chapter one. Let us, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Why do I have value? It's not because of the color of my skin. It's not because of any education I have. It's not because of where I live. It's not based upon anything other than the fact that I am created in the image of God. And it is his value and his worth that has been granted to me. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, when the author is reminding us, listen, look at the insignificant creation. If we can use that, that word, insignificant creation. But look at the less valued creation. If God cares enough to take care of them, how much more is he gonna take care of you? It's enjoyable to hear the babies and the young kids at Carlsbad Bible Church because it means you've got a growing, vibrant church. I enjoy being with Ray and Maria and spending time with them, and and I think they'll understand this example. Hopefully the rest of you will understand this example. But if you were to ask Ray, Ray, okay, you got a choice. Um, You can either take care of Christopher or you can take care of one of your pigs. What's Ray going to decide? Well, he better decide. (laughs) He's going to take care of Christopher. Why? Because Christopher has more value. Christopher was created in the image of God. The pig is just simply given to us as God's creation to enjoy, 
to feed us, to nourish us, to provide things for us. So there are things in creation that have less value than other things. And the author here is saying, listen, humanity has all the value and all the worth because they are made in the image of God. That's the end of verse 26. Are you not of more value than the birds? Yes, the answer is yes, you are of more value. Are you of not more value than the grass of the field? Yes, you are of more value. Why? It's not because you you have a brain and you can think about things and process things better. It's because humanity was the only thing that was created in the image of God. The rest of creation is given to us in order to enjoy and to provide for us and to encourage us. So the first thought that author here is looking at, Matthew is reminding us here, in verse 26 through 30, or 25 through 30, is do not be anxious. Why? Because there is more to life than food, drink, or clothing. How do we know that? Because you are more valuable than all creation. Second of all, we know that because of verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? I think some other uh, passages will render this, add a cubit to his stature. I hated this verse. My mom used to tell me this verse. I was always short. I'm still short. And my mom would always tell me, well, you know, the Bible tells you that you cannot add to your stature. You can't add to your height. I know, but I would like to do that. I'd like to be, I don't know, maybe not 5'7", maybe 6'2". That'd be cool. I don't know. It's interesting to me. I was talking to a friend recently. He's about 6'2", and he's about 170 pounds. And uh, I was lamenting to him that I was not six foot two and 170 pounds. And he was lamenting to me that he was too scrawny and that he needed a little bit more meat on his bones. And I thought, how interesting. He's sitting there wishing he was more like me, not sure why. And I'm sitting there wishing I was more like him and he's not sure why. The fact of the matter is we can't control a lot of things. We can control some things. But we can't control how tall we are. We can't control how long we live. I mean, you can think about this in a theological standpoint of suicide, and the reason behind many suicides is because of anxiety and worry and fear. But at the end of the day, you have to believe, because of Scripture, that even in a moment of suicide, God is sovereignly saying, this is the end, because God is sovereign over that. Sometimes our brains can get diff- have difficulty wrapping their heads around all of those things, but we're told here, listen, You are more valuable than all creation, and you cannot change anything anyway. So why are you going to worry about it? Why are you going to stress out, Dave, that you're only 5'7", and you're not 6'2"? Literally, there is nothing you can... I cannot do anything about it. Trust me, if I could, I would have done it. But I can't. I can't change how tall I am. I can't change how long I live. There's a lot of things that I can't change, so why am I going to worry about it? If I can't change it, why am I going to worry about it? Why am I going to stress about it? One commentator said this, worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. We know from Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, that Christ is the one who holds all things together. Christ is the one who all things consist within him. He is the the sovereign over all the affairs of our lives. So do not be anxious because there is more to life than food, drink, or clothing. We see that in verse 26, you are more valuable than all creation. We see that in verse 27, you can't change anything anyway. And verse 28 through 30, we see the third thing, because God cares for the insignificant things of his creation. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And that's an interesting... That's it. If you ever just need something to think about, think about verse 29. Solomon in all of his glory. Go back and read all the glory of the temple that Solomon built. Read all the glory of all the things that Solomon had. And yet here... Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these, the lilies of the field and the other things. But if God so clothes, verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, if God cares that much to to clothe the lilies of the field, which are temporary, insignificantly temporary, the natural question is, will he not much more clothe you? The, Matthew is, is describing as he's recounting what Christ has said as Christ is communicating here Matthew is recounting for us listen don't be anxious because there's more to life than food drink and clothing and we know that because we are more valuable than all creation we know that because we can't change anything anyway and we know that because God cares for the insignificant things of his creation the examples that Christ is communicating is saying listen You are of value here because you're created in the image of God. And look at how I display my glory in the splendor of a lily. Are we not more valuable than the lily? We are millions of times more valuable. And and Christ is saying, listen, if I take all of the time and all of the energy to display my glory and my brilliance and my splendor in something that is here today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more am I going to take care of you? I mean, I don't think Ray shows his pigs. I think he just sells them. I pastored in Michigan. We had people that raised pigs and they showed them at 4-H and other farm shows man those people really get into this stuff like you know they they sleeping with the pigs and they're combing the pigs and they're washing the pigs and they're I mean they're doing all sorts of stuff to these things it's like a it's like a baby to them and so you think about somebody who would invest that much time and that much energy and that much effort to make their pig look amazing it's still a pig at the end of the day that's just a pig How much more? That's the analogy that the author that Christ is giving to us. Look, if I'm going to display my glory in such a way in the lilies, which, by the way, are more glorious than all of the things that Solomon had. Like, this is the level. God is saying, I pour a lot of my glory and splendor and majesty and beauty into the insignificant creation. And you are much more valuable. The implied conclusion then is, oh, well, yeah, God's got it. I mean, if, if we could go back to this, sorry, I didn't mean to pick on Christopher, but he's not old enough to really know what I'm doing anyway. But if we go back to this illustration of Christopher and the pig, sorry, David, if you're watching, I'm using your son in relation to a pig. If we go back to this illustration of Christopher and the pig, if Christopher is going to think about, does Papa love me? Does, does Papa care for me? Is, is Papa going to help me, take care of me, love me? If, he, if he's able to process, and he may not be yet at this age, but as he gets older, if he's able to process, and he looks and he says, holy cow, look at how Papa takes care of his pig. He, he bathes it. I don't know if he was showing. He bathes it. He combs it. He, he, he does all these things. Like, wow. And then he could look at this and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I know that Papa values me a million times more than that pig. So I don't have to worry about it. Papa's got me. Right? That's, that's what the author is saying. That's what Christ is communicating to us. If we look at the insignificant things of this world, the insignificant creation, and God says, whoa, I make it pop with majesty. And you are a million times more significant than that, then what should be our response? Worry? Or like, whoa, this is cool. Look what God's going to do for us. I mean, if he does this to a lily that's here today and in the oven tomorrow, he's going to take care of me. So what am I worried about? God is going to take care of me. That's how Christ is unfolding this text. Then we move into verse 31 through 33. We see the second therefore. So because there is more to life than food or drink or clothing, we should not be anxious. Therefore, verse 31 through 33, do not be anxious. Why? Because your father knows what you need. Verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. So we now go from the first thought of verse 25 through verse 30 of of looking at this from the standpoint that says, okay, I am of more significance, I am of more value than any other thing in creation, and if God displays his glory and splendor and majesty in the insignificant creation and provides for them in this way, wow, he's got me covered. Now we go into verses 31 through 33, and we're reminded of this. Do not be anxious. Why? Because your father knows what you need. So let's go back to the illustration of Christopher and the pig. And we go to this illustration, and Christopher is thinking about, oh, my word, wow, Papa. (laughs) Papa takes care of his pig. He's going to show it. He's going to try to win a prize with his pig. Man, I can deduce that I have of more value than the pig, so therefore, Papa's gonna take care of me. But what if Papa doesn't remember me? What if Papa is so consumed with the pig that he forgets about me? So we come out of verses 25 through 30, and we say, okay, fine, I'm more significant than, than other creation, and God glor- shows his glory and splendor and majesty with them, Okay, he's going to take care of me, but what if he... Now I'm starting to worry about whether or not he remembers me. And so the next statement, the next thought is this. Listen, not only are you more significant than all of creation, but God remembers that he needs to take care of you. God isn't going to get so consumed with creation that he forgets about you. That's what is being communicated. For the Gentiles seek after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. The unsaved people, they clamor after all these things. They clamor after the things of this world. They clamor after the things. Why? Because they find their sufficiency in it. But a believer, or someone who's placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ can sit there and say, you know what? You know what? I'm more significant. I have more value than all of the rest of creation. God's got it. He's going to take care of me. And when I'm tempted to worry about whether or not he forgot about me, I need to remember he cannot forget about me. There's a great passage in Psalm chapter 103, verse 14. I believe it's 103, 14. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. 
we go through life, we have trials, we have troubles, we have tribulation, we have, we have, we have all these things that are pressuring in on us, bills that have to be paid and things that have to be done and sicknesses and weaknesses and all the things that we're struggling underneath and we're, 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 we're tempted to think God may forget about me and I need to pray about it and I need to give it over to God and I'm gonna practice Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and I'm gonna bring my prayers and supplications to God but what if I forget to remind him about something I needed? Because Satan gets into our head and says, oh, you forgot to mention that. Is God going to remember? Is God going to take care of you? I mean, maybe I'm the only one that Satan knocks on my head about these things. But Satan gets into our head if we're not careful and says, yeah, I don't know. If, do you think God's going to... Re- Dave, you forgot to pray about that. You prayed about these things, but you forgot that thing. Is God going to remember? And Psalm 103 verse 14 reminds us, yes, actually God remembers without me reminding him. There have been times in my life where I thought, you know what, if I don't remind God, he's going to forget about it. Why? Because Satan tells me, Dietz, you're insignificant. You're just one speck of eight billion other specks, and how can God care about you? But Psalm 103.14 says he knows our frame. Why? Because he created us. And he remembers without being reminded that we are but dust. And so the bruised reed he will not crush and the smoldering flax he will not quench. Why? Because he knows what we're going through. Yes, he wants us to remind him. Yes, he wants us to bring our prayers to him. Yes, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is important to say, instead of worrying about things, I'm gonna come to him in prayer, and I'm gonna bring my supplications to him. But even if I forget to do that, because life is so difficult, I can relax, because God remembers what I'm going through. God knows every issue, every stress, every fear, every worry that you have going on in your head right now. So we're reminded of this. Do not be anxious. Yes, you're more valuable. If he, if he, if he displayed his glory and splendor with the insignificant creation, he's going to really display it with you. But don't be tempted to worry that he's going to forget because your father knows that you need them all. Your father is aware of what you need. So he says, he reminds us, since you do not need to seek after these things because God knows what you need and provides them for, you can spend your time seeking after the things of God. But then we see the final, therefore. Verse 34, he's reminded us in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you. This is very similar to the passage in Galatians where Paul reminds us that we are no longer enslaved, we're free, but don't use your freedom for the flesh. Use your freedom to serve one another. That's a similar passage of, of thinking. We're, we're free from the bondage of the law. We're free from, from the bondage of having to perform all the duties of the law. Well, what do we do with all this time? Well, we use it to serve one another, not to bite and devour one another. We use it to, to, to display the love of Christ to one another. That's a similar concept to what's been presented here, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Since you don't have to worry about whether or not God's going to take care of you, and you don't have to worry about whether or not God is going to remember you, what are you going to spend your time doing? Since you're not worrying about things anymore, spend your time seeking after the things of God. Spend your time seeking first the kingdom of God and seeking first his righteousness and God will take care of you. This is what God wants you to do. This is what he's going to do. And then we see the final therefore, verse 34. Therefore, 
as if it hasn't been told us enough in this passage three times now, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. One of the sayings that I enjoyed using when I was pastor is working with people is a statement, it's stay in your lane. I'm not a swimmer. I've enjoyed swimming, but I'm not a competitive swimmer. But what makes competitive swimming work? It's when people stay in their lanes. That's why there's like there's markers, actual floaty markers in the water. There's markers on the ceiling. There's flag. Everything is there pointing to, listen, stay in your lane. You know, can you imagine if you're watching the Olympics and you've got swimmers and this guy's just like going like this and everybody else is going like this? This is going to cause some frustration. They're actually going to disqualify that guy because he didn't stay in his lane. Why? Because in order for this to work, you need to stay in your lane. Well, this is a little bit of what's being communicated here in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Listen, tomorrow is not your lane to worry about. Yesterday is not even your lane to worry about. Today is not even your your lane to worry about. If anybody is going to quote-unquote worry, the implication here is if anyone is going to quote-unquote worry, let God worry about it. And God isn't worried about it. The sovereign of the universe has it all taken care of, and he says, listen, just... Focus on me. Here's the insignificant creation. I displayed my glory and my splendor with them. I'm going to display it with you. I am not going to abandon you. I am not going to forsake you. I am not going to forget about you. So don't worry about all these things that you tend to worry about because I am going to take care of it. So do not be anxious. Why? Verse 34. Because you can trust God. This is kind of this unfolding text in three major pillars of verses 25 through 34. The first, therefore, the first pillar is listen. You are valuable, more valuable than all of creation. The second pillar is listen. God remembers you. And the third pillar is you can trust him. Because as this all unfolds, you say, okay, yeah, I, I understand that I'm, I understand that I'm more significant than the other parts of creation, fine. Oh, and, and, and I understand that God remembers me, but now the natural inclination is to say, but can I, re- can I really trust him? So yes, I'm more significant. Yes, I, 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 I understand that he, he will remember me, but now our final question that we worry about is, can I actually trust him? And the answer is yes. Why would you not be able to trust him? If he takes care of these people, if he takes care of these things, if he does all these things, if, he, if he's engaged with all the process of life, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. It'll be taken care of. God is going to do it's sufficient for the day. It's its own trouble. There's enough going on in today. Today, I don't need to worry about what I did yesterday. Can't change a lot of that. And I can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. And today, I just need to simply say, you know what, God? I am more significant than all of creation. You remember exactly who I am and what I need, and I trust you to provide for me today. And then I go to bed, and I wake up tomorrow morning, and I do the same thing. God, I recognize I am more significant than all the rest of creation. I realize you will remember me, and today I trust you because you know what I'm going through and what I need, and you will provide. And then Tuesday, I do the same thing. God, I know I am more significant than all of creation. And God, I know you will remember me. And God, I trust you today to provide for me what I need today. And then I do that until he takes me home. 
and then I don't have to deal with anything anymore. That's the cycle a believer should follow. Again, as we said at the very beginning, if we're looking at this from something maybe physiologically wrong, there are effects that I bear because of what happened with the medicine I didn't know I was allergic to. It has done some things in certain capacities. Even there, I have to be intentional to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and to remember God is going to get me through even those moments. Even the physiological issues, I can trust that God is going to get me through those. Everything I do and everything I process and everything that I go through must be viewed through the lens of the theology of Scripture. And so we could conclude this. Theologically speaking, the sin of worry, the sin of anxiety, is rooted in an inability or unwillingness to trust God as the provider. That is an offensive statement to some people. You're gonna call worry sin? You're gonna call anxiety sin? Yes, we have to call it that because we are ultimately not trusting in God as our provider. You say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You know, I may not. But at the end of the day, if I am going to delve into the sin of worry or the sin of anxiety or the sin of being fearful about everything or doubting everything, it's ultimately revealing in my heart I don't actually trust God to be the provider for me. A statement was made at a, at a conference several years ago. It was a rather lengthy kind of statement and so I kind of I took it and kind of brought it down a little bit more so I could wrap my head around it. And it's this, the confidence of your faith rests in the sovereignty of God. The confidence of your faith rests in the sovereignty of God. As we looked at this text, we had the, def- the description there, O you of little faith. What gives confidence to my faith? What allows me to be bold in my faith and trust in God? The confidence of that faith, it rests in the sovereignty of God. God is in control. You may not always see it. You may not always feel it. But God is perfectly in control. God will provide. God will sustain. God will give you what you need in order to make it through each day as he desires. And as believers, as we go out into a world that is consumed with anxiety and worry and fear. We must be people who say, you know what? This world is chaotic. This world is also not my home. I am going to rest in the sovereign work of God. That doesn't just happen. Like, we don't just cross our fingers and that happens. That requires proactive engagement where we bring every thought into captivity and we bring every thought into captivity for the obedience of Christ to say, you know what, I've got a thought of anxiety. I need to pray about that and give that to God and then leave that with God. I don't pray about it and then pick it back up again. I've got a thought of anxiety or I've got a thought of worry or a thought of doubt or a thought of fear. I've got to, when those thoughts come and when those ideas come, I say, you know what, God, I'm really worried right now about this. Please help me. And what does Philippians 4 tell us? The peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, guards our heart and our mind. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not anything. I don't even know what anxiety meds there are out there. 
but better than any anxiety medicine you could ever take is the guardianship of the Holy Spirit over our hearts and our minds. That is a thought that we must get through our heads to say, as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and when I have anxiety, I bring that to God, and I leave it to him, and I trust him, and I allow him to provide, and his Holy Spirit will guard my heart. It will guard my mind. I need that. There are moments where things flash into my head and I think, oh my word, wow, okay. I got a, I got a choice at that time, right? I've got a choice to stress about that and to go down the rabbit holes that sometimes we go down or I can say, you know what, God, right now I'm really worried. I'm really stressed. I'm really anxious. God, about this situation, give me wisdom, give me peace, provide for me. And what is the promise of scripture? Christ will not forget you. He will not abandon you. He will not fail to remember what you're going through. He will guard your heart. He will guard your mind. So our job is to seek first the kingdom of God in all these things, in his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us and remind ourselves, I am more significant than creation. God displays his glory and majesty in all of creation. How much more is he going to display it in me? I understand and realize that God remembers me. I'm not just an insignificant speck. He knows me intimately. He formed me. He fashioned me. He created me in his image. And I can absolutely trust him to provide. Does it mean life is all sunshine and roses? No, it doesn't. But actually, as I look back through this process of coming through our time of raising support several years ago to go to Italy and that not panning out and trusting God through that and trusting God through the physiological matters that he allowed me to have, I can honestly say that today I am much better at, not perfect, but I am much better at allowing the confidence of my faith to rest in the sovereign hand of God. If I understand him, I will understand how much he loves me and cares for me and will provide for me. Christopher is of million times more valuable than the pig on Ray's farm. And if Ray takes good care of his pig, how much more is he gonna take good care of his grandson, Christopher? We take that human analogy and we multiply that even a million times more because Ray is not God. We multiply that a million times more to say, whoa, God remembers me and he will provide for me. So I will trust in him. The confidence of my faith rests in the sovereignty of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word this morning, Father. I pray that you would encourage our hearts and minds. Father, for those this morning who are struggling with fears and doubts and worries and anxieties, life is full of those things. Father, may you help all of us to remember we are more significant than all of creation. You remember us and we can trust you. We pray these things in your son's name, amen.